a few verses and it turned out that these verses had a little theme to them, so I went with it. But we're going to be in uh, John 17 and in Acts 1 and Acts 2. And so the theme was the letter P, as in power, the letter P. But in John 17, we're going to read, I'm actually going to read John 17, take just a couple, three minutes to read through that, but I just want you to receive that. That's the, uh, as we are in Palm Sunday now, as we move through this week, Thursday is uh, Monday, Thursday, and a lot of people will celebrate that, and Monday being mandate and that is the Lord's Supper was that night as we read that in scripture they gathered in the upper room and he gave the new commandment he gave the new mandate and that was to love one another and so that happens Thursday night and what we're going to read in 17 is his prayer to us Christ's prayer to us and it's not only captured in that night but we can read it as we read it tonight we know in scripture it says that he's interceding for us from moment to moment and so as I read this and I think you will too as we read it tonight together you can picture Christ not only in that moment as it's captured but in this moment speaking the same prayer to us and interceding for us even as we are here now so I want to do that. So that's his prayer um, to us. And then in Acts 1 and 2, we'll see uh, a promise, which is not only there, but in uh, the Gospels, his promise to us and his purpose for us and then the power he gives us. So there's your P's. It's the prayer he has to us um, the promise he gives us, the purpose he has for us, and the power he gives us to fulfill that purpose. So I thought we'd look at those scriptures. Um, I'm hopeful that they will tie together and make sense. And not, if not in this moment, then just take the notes of the scripture back with you, re- read through those, and they will tie together at some point, if not now. So let's go to... Let's go to, well, let me first read about the promise, and that's in um, just a really short clip in Acts 2. You don't have to go there. Uh, I'll just read it, and you can go on to um, John 17. I I do want you to go to John 17. Let me get to 2.39. We actually talked about this. This Friday, so you guys that are here that have been at coffee the last few weeks, you're getting a quick review here. So, 39, this is Peter. So, uh, Peter's with the Lord at the Last Supper, obviously. Peter goes to the garden with Christ. Christ is taken, he's headed to the cross. Peter denies Christ resurrects, reappears to several in about a 40-day period. And um, then Peter is speaking to a rather large crowd, we know, because in the end, 
it says those who believed in what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So it's a rather large crowd that Peter's speaking to not long. It wasn't that long a period since his three denials of Christ. So something major has happened with Peter. But Peter says in 39, he says, this promise is to you, to your children and to those far away, all, keyword, all who have believed, all who have been called by the Lord our God. The promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So I want to come back to that promise and unpack that a little bit more, but as we're reading the other things, what, what is the promise? That's the question I have for you, is what is the promise? We're going to unpack that as we go. What is that promise? This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So let's go to John 17. This is in the scene of the Last Supper on that Monday, Thursday. Again, I'm going to read this uh, three minutes, maybe, to read through this. But it just, um, again, just to bring us to a reminder and encourage and be encouraged through prayer that Christ has for us not only had for us as it's captured in this moment, but he has for us in every moment. So just listen here and follow along if you have the a screen or the book, John chapter 17. And this is all in red except for the very first half sentence. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, and the rest is all him speaking, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and I know that I I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your, given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, 
and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is true. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May the experience... May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen. That is powerful to me just to think about that. So hopefully you'll take that with you, not only, again, not only in this moment, but in the moments and moments and moments that uh, we face, is to know that Christ is interceding for you. And I think it's similar to that prayer, the one that he speaks over us moment to moment. And in that prayer, he talks about our purpose. Uh, I'm going to read it out of Acts 1. But he says, um, just as you sent me, this is John 17, 18, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice to them for them so they can be made holy by your truth. So just as God sent Christ into the world on mission, Christ sends us into the world on mission. We see it again in Acts 1, where the writer tells us in Jesus' words that and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're reminded in those scriptures about our purpose. And as we near uh, the cross, we don't near the cross without knowing that there's the empty tomb. And so for anybody that's hung out with Mike for more than four or five minutes, He's probably asked you that question about the resurrection is why is it relevant to you today? So he's not here, but I echo that question to you as we approach Resurrection Sunday is why do we celebrate? Why is it such a big deal? And especially why is it relevant 
for us today. And I think these scriptures kind of frame the scriptures we're talking about, frame it up for me at least pretty clearly um, that the resurrection um, provides us with one of the other pieces. It's the power. And so we read through the prayer. He, he, he's saying over us in this moment. We talked about the purpose He gives to us. And then if you look again in Acts 2, where I first mentioned the promise in verse 39, as Peter spoke, this promise is to you, your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. What is that promise? Other thoughts about the promise that Peter mentions here? We didn't read it, but you can remember in that setting in the Last Supper, um, and even in the prayer he talks about the gift of peace. In that Last Supper, he gives lots and lots and lots of instruction to the disciples about what's about to, to happen. And if you read one verse in front here where we're at, Acts of the Apostle, chapter 2, if you move back one verse, verse 38, Peter replies to someone in the crowd there, says, each of you must repent of your sins and, in, and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So the promise is the Holy Spirit, the power for us to live out the purpose that he talks about in that prayer in 17, about for us entering the world uh, to be his witness, as it talks about in, in Acts 1, uh, verse 8 there when I read that. And I'm going to go back and read Read that again back over in Acts 1. As we start the book of Acts, if your Bible is one that has some, some headings for it, Acts 1 begins with the heading, the promise of the Holy Spirit. It says, in my first book, the writer says, I told you, Christians, believers, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with his Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel, restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I just want to finish with, um, if you keep reading in Acts, it's an awesome read just to hear about the Holy Spirit moving and how he uses um, a lot of people, but there's just a few stories captured for us in Acts about the Holy Spirit moving and, and people uh, becoming witnesses for Christ. But I thought I just would finish with, after sharing those verses, with the end of chapter 2, just talking about the believers coming together, because um, this was a time when uh, just a lot of confusion, and we can think back to the time between Christ going to the cross and His resurrection, and then His appearance, and the, if you remember how it describes that the apostles are in the room, and they're scared and hiding away, and and Jesus appears to them. So there's just a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos going on. It's a, still a festival time, so there's a, just throngs of people. And uh, those that are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, had just cheered him into town, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then some of those, I would imagine, being the same ones that are screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And just you can just imagine thousands of people in that whole, that whole scene. But it's just... Refreshing, I think, to read through the end of Peter's sermon there, if you will, in, in Acts 2, and then read that last few verses in Acts where it talks about the believers beginning to form a community and coming together. And I like to think about uh, our community here as being set in this way as believers. But I'm going to finish with that. And again, just in verse, picking up verse 38, of chapter 2 of Acts, it says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from the crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in home for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's a pretty picture. So we're going to do, as it says here, we're going to share communion together and I didn't ask this question so we're moving with flexibility tonight but looking for a couple volunteers that might uh, serve 
the bread and wine tonight? Could I get two volunteers, Joseph and Presley? Would y'all mind doing that? Yeah. I knew them, that's why I put them on the spot. I was afraid nobody else would volunteer. If y'all would just bring it over here, and Matthew's going to play for us. Come on over, and then uh, we'll enjoy communion together. Then we're going to go out to uh, continue our fellowship, Panera Bread. And I'll close this in prayer once um, everybody gets, gets served. Sound like a plan? I cannot do that.